Well, this morning we're turning in the Word of God to that portion that we are memorizing. Matthew chapter 11, if you'd like to turn there. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to consider those three verses at the end of the chapter. And may the Lord bless us and help us with His Spirit as we would consider the words of Christ. Matthew chapter 11, of course, verse 28 and following. Again, the scripture says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. This morning I want us to think on these verses and think on the theme that I am entitling Rest and Restoration. Before we go any further, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us and to speak through His Word. Father in heaven, now we pray that you will bless this time, that you will hallow this time, that you will close us in with thyself and allow us to know a time in which the ministering of the Spirit of God is not just prominent amongst us, but indeed powerful. Lord, we ask that you will take our hearts to yourself, that you will allow us to know your guidance in our minds, that you will allow us to know, O oh God, that which strengthens faith and causes us to discern more clearly the truths of your word. Lord, I pray now that you will help every heart here. I pray that you'll speak. Lord, we read that portion that says that you speak to your sheep and they recognize your voice and they follow after you. Lord, we pray that that will be the case today. We pray that you will allow us to follow Christ. I pray that you will help me now as your servant. I pray that you'll guide and direct all things. For the sake of Christ, we pray. Amen. I want us to think on the words of our text for a moment. I want you to think with me about when they were said. The Lord Jesus spoke these words as he looked on a needy multitude. People with various needs, various trials, different afflictions. But not only had these people heard the Lord Jesus teaching things about himself, but they were also those that were witness to the stern words that the Lord Jesus spoke against the cities that had seen the wondrous works of Christ, heard the words of his truth, and knew the gentle ministry of the Lord. And yet these cities were hardened. I want us to think about that, because that is the context. But I want you to also think about this with me. I suggest to us all that the words that we have 
in the text at hand were words that are really an echo. Truly, these words are the resounding of the words that were uttered by the divine mouth in the ages of eternity past. They were words that were spoken of the eternal mind of God. His decree in those days of eternity past was to save that which was lost and gather that which was given. So I say here in these words you have in many ways an echo of the eternal words that may well be called the gospel call. The Lord Jesus says come. Well come was not only a word often used of Christ but come was the word determined of God to be effectual in the hearts of all that would be saved. Every man who is ever saved at some point hears the word to his heart, come. One preacher from years past makes this statement about the text. He says, here is the gracious invitation of the gospel in which the Savior's tears and smiles were blended as in a covenant rainbow of promise. Come. He drives none away. He calls them to himself. His favorite word is come. Not go to Moses. Come unto me. To Jesus himself we must come. By a personal trust. Not to doctrine, ordinance, or ministry. Are we to come first, but to the personal Savior? All laboring and laden ones may come. He does not limit the call to the spiritually laboring, but every working and wearied one is called. It is well to give the largest sense to all that mercy speaks. Jesus calls me. Jesus promises rest as his gift. His immediate personal effectual rest he freely gives to all who come to him by faith again I would suggest to you that it is of great note that the words that the Lord Jesus speaks here in Matthew chapter 11 were spoken right after the condemnation of those unbelieving cities the truth that is evident here is that even those who have the most earnest condemnation for sin can find rest at the feet of the Lord Jesus. Here is an example of the Lord saying those that are the most worthy of condemnation are those that are the most eagerly invited to come to the feet of Christ. So, my proposition to you this morning is extremely simple. I simply say that these words that you have in our text this morning are a call to everyone that has ears to hear. Do you have ears to hear? Then you have an invitation by Christ Jesus to come to him and find from him this sweet remedy for all that would be 
a burden to your heart. I want us to consider the text this morning by asking a few simple questions. The first thing I want us to answer as we consider the invitation of Christ is this. Who may come? Who may come? When the Lord Jesus offers this invitation to come to him and find what every soul not only needs, but in reality yearns for, who is invited? When he says, come unto me, what kind of people or who is included in all this? Well, I've got a few observations I want you to think with me about. Number one, as we answer this question, I want you to see this. The answer to the question is left up to the comer to determine if he fits the description. Huh? Yes. The person who is being invited is the one who says whether it fits him or not. Can you say, and I ask you to think with me, can you say this morning that your heart and soul are weary? Do the words heavy laden strike a chord with you? Well, my point is this, that you are left 100% as the one who is to answer whether you are fit to come to Jesus Christ. Does it fit you or not? You answer that. Now, perhaps you would compare yourself to some other person that you know. You look at his burden and his pain and you say, well, he is heavy laden. Far more than I am. Therefore, I believe that this invitation is for him, but not for me. Well, the Lord Jesus didn't say that there were any who were not qualified to claim this label. There is not a meter in the mind of God that measures how heavy you are laden or how weary you are. The Lord doesn't say you have to be this weary or this heavy laden in order for me to count you as one that can come to me. No, sir, there is no such thing. That is an idea, uh, that is a notion that is of your own making. I ask you plainly, can you say you need rest? Or more rightly put, that you need him for your help? Well, I say you are in line for it. You know, the heart of David was often in the place where he needed to flee to God. You hear words like Psalm 147, over, excuse me, 143, verse 7, over and over again. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. So, I say again, the answer to the question, who is able to come, is one that you determine for yourself. The second thing I would point out is this. The answer who to who may come is very broad indeed to include any 
with a need. In other words, the Lord Jesus does not say that being weary or heavy laden is restricted only to some. He is not limiting his invitation to agree with a certain need. Mr. Spurgeon says it this way. He says the invitation is exceedingly broad. Well, we could begin a list of different ways in which the heart of a man may be burdened. None would be excluded from bringing it to Jesus. Again, some might think my burden is of such a worse sort, for it is filled with the filth of sin. That afflicted man over there is better than I. He is more likely to find relief. No, that's not true. You know, the scripture is filled with those who found rest from their extreme burden, many of which were the result of sin. You think of it with me. There was a man who was at the pool of Bethesda, lay there for numbers of years. It says that he was in his condition for a period of 38 years. And when the Lord finds him and heals him, he tells him to be careful or to go and to follow after himself because he, need, he would not want him to fall into a condition such as it was caused that brought him into this place. That man was having to wait for that period of time because of his sin, but Jesus came. Well, others you can list as well. The woman at the well. The woman had a very, very, very hard, even you might even put it seared heart in many ways to her sin. Yet the Lord Jesus dealt with her. There was a thief on the cross a man filled with covetousness and thievery. Yet the Lord Jesus, even though he was a tremendously great sinner, helped him. You could also include with it in this the woman taken in adultery or the immoral woman who wept at Jesus' feet. You could think about the paralytic that was let down through the roof where the Lord Jesus says, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. All these people were afflicted because of sin in their lives. And yet the point was Christ helped them. You are no different. There were others that had burdens as a result of the affliction of Satan. We think about the demoniac of Gadara, the man in whom was the legion of the devil's servants who came to the Lord Jesus and fell down and said, how long will you torment me? And the Lord Jesus rebuked all of those demons and sent them out and the man was delivered even though he was under the power of Satan. Well, there were others. What about the boy whose father pled with the Lord Jesus at the foot of the Mount of Transfiguration? Or perhaps even Mary Magdalene herself, who, out of whom came seven devils. There are many who are afflicted by the power of the devil that this text applies to. There are others that we could recount who were under incredible burdens of physical sorts. You read of the woman with the issue of blood who had the condition for 12 years and was none the better for all of her trying. 
You have the leper who came to the Lord Jesus and explained, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. You have Bartimaeus sitting beside the Jericho road calling to the Lord Jesus. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. All of these had dire physical problems, but the Lord Jesus helped them. And there were others that death had caused deep pain. We think about Jairus losing his little daughter. What kind of pain was involved with that? You had the widow of Nain who lost her son, the only one that would be able to care for her, help her in her old age. You had Mary and Martha who lost a dear brother. I present these examples to you only to prove that there is no limiting by the Lord. He does not say that the burden that he will relieve is only one of a spiritual kind or a physical. He does not talk of needs of lack or needs of deliverance from the abuse of men. He does not limit these things. It's an exceedingly broad invitation. Does your need fall into this? I say bring your weariness. And third, I would also say this, as we ask the question, who may come? The answer contains no argument against the comer's assessment. There is no argument that the Lord Jesus offers against the comer's assessment. The Lord Jesus doesn't say, no, you're not, you're not weary. Oh, the point is this. It's very simple. The Lord Jesus will not offer words that the comer needs to go away. He does not say that he is not suited to meet with Christ or find his help. In fact, the very statement that the Lord Jesus makes that he is meek and lowly in heart presents the truth that he will not be found as anything other than an agreeable one. He will not reprove or chide the one that comes to him for help. Child of God, if you ever think in your mind that when you have to come to bring your sin before the Lord, that the Lord's going to chide you for a period of time before he's willing to forgive you, that's something that's coming straight out of your own deceived and desperately wicked heart. It is not the truth. Who may come? Any that feels within his own soul, I am weary or I am heavy laden. Well, we have to ask another question at this point, and that is simply this. What is found? We ask who may come, but now I ask, what is found when you do come? Well, the Lord Jesus says, rest. The idea includes a restoring and a relieving of heart as well. Well, we should immediately ask, what does rest mean? What does it entail? How long does it last? Mr. Spurgeon makes the comment, he says, the Lord Jesus offers a rest that is full. 
and entails the whole of what it takes to bring rest to the soul and heart of every man to come. Well, what is involved with this rest? What do we see in this rest? I would say first and foremost, you see the offer of the gospel mercies of God. When the Lord says, I will give you rest, he's making an offer of the gospel mercies of God. The greatest of burdens and the most weary of labors is that which comes from the workings of sin. When a man is full of sin, he is full of weariness. Isaiah 57 verse 21 puts it this way. The prophet says there is no peace. Saith my God to the wicked. Again, I would stress with you that one of the greatest blessings of coming to Christ and having sins forgiven is the full rest of soul that comes with knowing all is well with God. God is now on my side. Who can stand against me? Is there a trial too great that he cannot calm it? No. The true condition of the man who has yet to come to Christ is that he looks at himself and his life and says, I am weary of what I am and what my life is. I'm going to try to find something to fill it up. But the call of Christ is the call to complete relief of the burden of sin. Or as we sang this morning, he sets the prisoner free. The second way in which rest comes to the soul, not only is it through the saving and cleansing work of Christ, but he says rest comes to the feet, uh, comes to those who come to the feet of Christ by taking his yoke upon you and learning of him. Now essentially that means two things. First, to take the yoke of Christ upon you means that you submit and surrender to his control. It speaks of quick and ready obedience to the mind and will of Christ. Now the Lord Jesus uses the word yoke for two reasons. First, it fits with the imagery of hard labor. It is the image of oxen doing the hard work of the day. Second, the function of a yoke is to keep the oxen in its place and under the guidance of the master. We are to understand that our peace and rest and our joy and fulfillment comes from walking under the control of the Lord. Take my yoke upon you. Yes, he commands our our way and his commands are our duty. But more than that, His commands free us from a life of confusion and doubt. There is rest in knowing what the Lord would have done. He says, take my yoke upon you. That is one way in which the rest of God is to be found. But then he also says, second, we are to learn of him. That means that we are to give ourselves to learning his will and applying ourselves to do it. Yes, here is the study of doctrine. But more than that, it's the study of the ways in which the Lord walked himself. And how he would have us to walk like him. In these things, taking the yoke 
and learning of Christ, we are told in this text that we find rest and restoration. Well, I have a third question when after this I'm done. My third question is this. Why a new burden? You say, what? Yes. Why a new burden? He says, take my yoke upon you. Now, some might think it's strange. In fact, it probably does seem somewhat strange to our thinking that the Lord Jesus would invite us to find rest and relief from our burden and then immediately, with the same call, tell us to take up another yoke. What possible reason could there be for this? Well, let me mention to you that the message that we have here in these verses is not a contradiction. But rather it is a framework for right thinking and the abiding rest and restoration of soul. Here is the meaning in a very simple way. First, the Lord Jesus is inviting us to come to him that he may free us from the awful tangles of heart and soul that bring distress, weariness, and harm. He will lift those from us and make us free. Or as he says in John chapter 8 and verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. But then he says this. He says that we are to take his yoke or to walk as he walks and do as he does. For if we do, we will find ourselves even more free. Do you understand? If you take the yoke of Christ upon you, you are even more free than you would be without it. Again, Mr. Spurgeon makes a statement. He says, his gentleness of heart fits him to teach, to be the illustration of his own teaching, and to work in us his great design. If we become as he is, we shall rest as he does. We not only rest from the guilt of sin, this he gives, but we shall rest in peace of holiness, which we find through obedience to him. Rest from fear of sin's punishment is followed by rest from the turbulence of inward passion and the drudgery of self. Oh, I like that last thought. The drudgery of self. Do you need to be delivered from self? Let me ask a question. Where does most of your burden come from? Yes, there are burdens that come from without. But the majority is caused by that which is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Your burdens come from you. Mr. Spurgeon goes on to say, The tandem yoke in which we draw with Christ must needs be a happy one. And the burden which we carry for him is a blessed one. We rest in the fullest sense when we serve, if Jesus is the master. We are unloaded by bearing his burden. We are rested by running his errands. Well, that leads us into a very important question, and that is, how do you take his yoke? He says, 
take my yoke. This is something that's going to make you more free. This is going to something that's going to give you far more rest. How do you take the yoke of the Lord Jesus? Well, the answer is that you take the yoke of Christ by coming to Christ. Now, I want you to see this with me because I think latent in the words of our text is this very thought. He says, does he not? Take my yoke upon you and learn to me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So my question is this. How hard is it for you to bear the yoke of coming to Christ? If you come to Christ, you are bearing his yoke. Now you say, well, that sounds pretty easy. Exactly. My yoke is easy. And you are to learn of him. Learn of him by being with him. Now that is a life task. So the, it's explained. My burden is, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, you just come to me. You walk with me. You learn of me. You stay with me. And if you will do that, the effect is rest and restoration. Another statement made by Mr. Spurgeon says, Oh, for grace, be always coming to Jesus. And to be constantly inviting others to do the same. Always free. Yet always bearing his yoke. Always having the rest once given. Yet always finding more. This is the experience of those who come to Jesus always. And for everything. Blessed heritage. And it is ours. You find the Lord. And his yoke when you come to him it's all the same come to him for the relief of your burden that you bear now you may come you may find relief but then you can go on with greater joy and with a greater sense of freedom by taking my yoke and what's my yoke continue to come to me continue to walk with me that's easy that's light. We have a tremendous instruction here, one that ought to be learned well by us. Unfortunately, I think that we are so oriented in our minds that we have to be doing and earning our way into the blessing of God that we don't even heed what the Lord Jesus says. We think it perhaps has to have some other meaning than it does. No. Come, take these words, come to Christ and find that that will be what you find, rest and restoration. Well, may the Lord add his own blessing to his word this day for Jesus' sake. Let's all pray. Our Father and our God, now we would pray that you will bless this word. We pray that you will allow it to be that which is used by the Spirit of God to instruct us and to lead us on with thyself. May we be those who are swift to come to Jesus, to pour out our hearts before him and realize that as we are with him and walk with him, we find that we are pulling together in the yoke with Christ and that is an exceedingly easy and light thing that brings us 
to the place of rest. Lord, I pray that you will now seal the word by the Spirit's power to us. I pray that you will dismiss us with the blessing of our God and walk with us as we walk through this day. We pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.